races was on the 9th of June 1862 on a summer's afternoon I took the bus to Bamberg's and she was heavy laden Away we went along Collingwood Street that's on the road to Bladen Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, episode 86. I'm your host, Greg Troxell, coming into you after a lovely, lovely weekend where nothing bad happens. To talk about our lovely, lovely weekend where nothing bad happens, I bring you the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. Yes, I'm here. Did you have a lovely, lovely weekend and nothing bad yeah. happened? No, I mean, to be fair, we did get some comments on our last uh, review pod that people want to hear about my weekend so i'll tell people about my weekend so um let's see friday i went to your weekend but no no they they were specifically talking about me uh so anyway friday night i went to auburn alabama which is a a fun place just a wasteland Um, in alabama huh it's just a wasteland town yeah it's it's yeah i guess it's 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 a place um went out that night uh that was an eventful night to say the least um, there was a lot of things that occurred that night, so we'll just leave it at that. That was cool. Um, and then, uh, Saturday morning, I don't remember what I did. It probably wasn't anything important. Oh, Auburn played, uh, that night. That was fun. Um, and then Sunday morning, I woke up early, drove back home, and then, yeah, Newcastle disappointed me, and then, uh, the Falcons disappointed me. And then I disappointed myself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Real exciting weekend. It was great pretty much until Newcastle played. That sounds, that doesn't sound that great. Well, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, think about it. Newcastle played at the end of the weekend. So, I mean, I had a great weekend up until then. Like, I mean, all my teams won, like Syracuse won, Florida State won. I mean, I'm not, I don't say Auburn's my team, but I was there and I'm going to take the free food and. All that kind of stuff. So, I don't know, Greg. Right. I people don't care about your weekend, so we'll just keep moving. Well, I'm going to tell them. Nope. Went to the Las Vegas Gra- Grapes and Hops Festival. Oh. Definitely got a little turn up. Then went to downtown Vegas for the nightcap. Had some bomb La Thai, uh, thai food. I had a place called La Thai. Um. Bar hopped. Did that thing. Georgia didn't lose because they didn't play. Nice. Ran six miles on Sunday. Oh, that was after you went out. That's bold. Yeah, and then watched an absolute just deterioration of a soccer match. It was pretty bad. I like which led me into the drinking spell do. that I wanted to have on Sunday anyway. So there we yeah, go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, I don't even know what that was. I don't even like when we get to that part of the show. I don't even know what that's going to look like. No, I think we have more things to talk about outside of the match than to actually talk about during the match. Probably, probably true. Uh, yeah. Before we get into that, give us a follow at chn underscore radio. That's a podcast account um, for the main account. Follow them at coming home nufc. Follow myself at nufc underscore greg. And then, Elijah, where are the people reaching you? Um, let's see. Uh, at Elijah Big Boy 69. Oh, okay. Yeah, at <laughs> Elijah underscore Newsome. All right. If you follow at Big Boy 69, it's not me. Just letting you know that. He has the same name as me, but it's it's not me. Trust me. Cool. <laughs> All right. So let's get into some club news. Uh, Brucey canceled training, we think. Apparently, allegedly, I'm going with the uh, he canceled training because I like when he does things that are just dumb, <laughs> which he's been doing a lot lately, and that would be something that I would consider dumb. Yeah, you, that, you don't that, get smashed five nothing to Lester and then just say, "All right, take a take a load off here, lads." <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even like seeing the Luke Edwards uh, tweet about it, like there was nothing that. Like nothing justified the the not showing up to training. Like, I mean, I guess it said 
He says, exclusive, stunned in the silence. Newcastle players not told not to come to training during explosive appraisal of Leicester defeat. Which, I'm going to interpret this, because I didn't read the article, because I don't really care that much. I'm not. I'm going to be honest, I didn't read the article, I read the headline. But, um, from, what I, from what I could tell, also, the, there's a paywall now for the Telegraph. So, I remember that earlier, like when I tried to look at it. But from from I'm interpreting this as he was mad at the players and he was like, don't even bother showing up to training. So it's possible that they had training, but I still want to believe in my heart they didn't, even though Alan St. Maxman posted a goal that he scored in training. Yeah. We don't know when, but yeah, we're just, yeah, exactly. Wondering when that actually took place, not when the video was posted. Um, but and someone's going to ruin the fun and be like, well, actually, I was down by the training grounds today and I saw the lads kicking the ball about and you're going to be we're going to you're going to be on the, the hit list and we're going to hit you. Yeah, so, it just goes to that. show you how little access the Chronicle has. Like you, if you think like, oh, you know, I want to feel close to my club, like you could literally f- just follow us two and get the same type of information because none of us is getting more access than the other. Like they're going to games which we can't afford unless somebody wants to, if someone is listening and can afford us like tickets and flights and hotels and I'm in. Yeah. Um, well, we don't, we won't even really need hotels. We can figure it out. Yeah. We have Graham. Yeah. So we'll just stay in his nursery. But outside of that, we get the same access to the club as the Chronicle does, which is hilarious. Like it's terrible. It's terribly hilarious. Um, so yeah. So, I don't think we got better today because I, I didn't think we could because training was canceled. Next thing, Shola is going to get fired. <laughs> well, no, probably not. If there's anything you can you can kind of pin on a Mike Ashley regime is that like the better you underperform, the more likely you are to keep your job. So Shola is just actually he's probably about to sign a five year extension from the looks of things. <laughs> yeah, it was a. A bad weekend in a in a weekend where our low knees are supposed to be getting better. They really worked hard on practicing their bench warming techniques mm. this weekend. Uh, nine low knees, seven of them did not play a single minute. Uh, the only two that did play were Luke Sharman and Freddie Woodman, and they played ninety minutes each. So yeah. that, that's really it. I'm going to be writing uh, my monthly articles on the on the. Youth teams and the loan reports uh, that will be out in like a day or two. So we'll, we'll I'll give you like a full update on the next podcast about like how those players are doing or any standouts. But um, just a, I guess a little spoiler is it's not it's not good. You got anything else on news, Elijah? <laughs> um, uh, this is just barren know. times. Barren times. Yeah. We're gonna get I mean, to... we could talk about other news. Montez Perfect. He's a... What a guy he is. Stand-up citizen. That guy. Yeah. Headhunting. That's... Uh, we like that. Oh, did you see that... This is this is soccer-related. You see that Dos Santos injury? No, I didn't. Dude. It Okay, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not driving, just go to Twitter and type in Dos Santos injury. It is. Whoa. It's not like broken leg gruesome, but essentially it was a two-footed challenge, and the guy went studs into Dos Santos's thigh and took a chunk out of his thigh. And he just, like, the camera just zoomed in on a hole in his thigh. Oh, man. He, he's fine. He had surgery, but still, that is just... I think the guy got sent off. So. Yeah, just like... um just like Hayden's tackle, right? Yeah, it was actually not as bad as Hayden tackle. No, <laughs> no I, obviously it wasn't. Yeah. Um, okay, let's... <laughs> Take a chunk out of the guy's thigh. Let's get into the Lester recap, and we're going to do it right after this break. All right. We did not do well against Lester. We lost 5 nothing, and we're going to do our best to like talk about this. Dreadful Do we have experience. to talk about the match events? Um, there's just a couple things that we'll talk about. 
Uh, but well, no, I'm not going to go like through the minutes and like <laughs> the notes that I took of like every Leicester goal and how it happened. It's so. like uh, not necessary. Like, yeah, there's. I'm sure there's a podcast around in this world that is doing that. So, like, just I'll just tell you to listen to that one. Uh, but until then, for this one, we're going to cover the the important things, some things that the talking points that I think we should be talking about, but definitely not diving in all the way. That would be a waste of time for me. Mm. Um, so, but first we're going to start with your three words. Oh, let's start with that. Um, got some funny ones. So, Toon Army Denver, he, uh, you follow him at Mile High Magpies, said Hog, at Hogshead Brewery Beer helped. Yes. Very good beer. Can good, confirm. Good brews there. Yeah. Trevor Mooney stuff. at Trevor Mooney 12 says, Brucey's still shite. So true. Um, at Mile High Jordy said, what's the point? Mm. Zach Leggett at Zach underscore Leggett. Two G's, two, G- two T's. Said, get Bruce out. Will Watson at Batman's Milkman says, down by Xmas. Brian F at IMBWF says, dirt on coffin. Toon Army Calgary at Toon Army Calgary Cunch of bunts. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a that's a world class one. Good job, Toon Army Cal- Calgary. What's up, West Coast Canada? Um, at Patrick Sotolaro, 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 Sotolaro. I'm going with. Um, at Lumber Weasel. Good afternoon, whiskey. Yeah, mm. that's it. That's also an A plus one. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. That's what happened to me after this. Oh one. yeah. Uh, Paul Dietrich at Paul D- Paul R Dietrich says get the f out of here. Mm. Um, Javi at Javi underscore one three eight says hashtag Bruce out, which is two That's words. Only two words, yeah. And then shouldn't even count that, but you know. And Martini Glass H Martini Glass Kendall at Pyramus six nine seven says the f word three times. <laughs> yeah, the last one is longer than the previous two. Um, yeah, so that, like, if you knew nothing about this match and just li- just read our three words, like, that is a, an absolute description of what what you would have seen. So it's it's a perfect summary, in my opinion. So uh, let's dive into the things. So the first things we'll talk about is the lineup. It wasn't what there there was a surprise. Definitely oh, was yeah. a surprise. Um, Yuto started. <laughs> he did. So Elijah, do you want to do you want I guess I can read the lineups and you can talk through it, or you can do both. What do you prefer? I mean, I just, just okay, get I'll, it over I'll, with. Yeah, I'll read just... the lineups. <laughs> um, so, Newcastle started with Dubrovka, Kraft, Cher, Lascelles, Dummett, Hayden, Longstaff, Atsu, Almiron, Muto, and Jolentoon. Is there any... Uh, do you want to comment on Muto starting, or is there any other surprises or things you want to comment on as far as the lineup goes? I mean, I think people were shocked to see Kraft start again, and uh, there was someone who was like, why not start Yedlin? I'm like, I mean, he wasn't fit enough to start, so. Uh, and, I mean, I don't know. I guess you could make the argument for Minkio starting. I think neither one of them has done... I think they've had their moments. I think they've both had their moments. And to act like they haven't had their moments of brilliance um, is is just kind of ignorant in a way. Uh, they've both been good at times. They've both been bad at times. So I think you kind of just you go with whoever's been better in training, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Muto starting was definitely a shock. Um, yeah. Kind of confirmed we were going four in the back, which that's cool. Um, and there was no Dredger Willems, obviously, in the lineup due to that as well. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I was hoping we'd see a little more Miggy Cam action, but no, not not according to Steve Bruce. Yeah, who... and we'll get into that for sure. Um, Gosh, oh man. Yeah, Muto just came out of left field in my opinion. But I, I one thing I thought of, and I I didn't actually tweet this out, but I thought about it actually. Yeah, after the match, I was like, oh, Muto started because he scored against Leicester when we played in the League Cup. I bet you that's exactly what Brucey was thinking. Like, also, he probably didn't put like any actual like tactical thought. He's like, "Oh well, he scored. We play them in the cup." <laughs> so, 
So I'm going to yeah. start Bruce. I mean, I mean I'm going to start Muto. I also thought like... that this would be this would open up the door to have Muto be subbed off for Alan St. Maximin um, if at the time came if things had gone according to plan and then either have a two up top lineup with St. Maximin and Joel Linton or two up top lineup with Almiron and Joel Linton or a formation switch that allowed uh, you know I don't know how the formation switch would work to be honest but you know some sort of formation change potentially but I thought that was that was honestly the first thing I thought was like Oh, you can actually probably sub in St. Maximum without subbing Amron off. So, yeah, yeah. So we we set up in a four-two-three-one, which is going against the grain a little bit. Dummett was the left back, Croft was the right back, and then Amron was on the right of the three behind Jolentun. Muto was in the center, and um, Atsu was on the left. And then when they were possessing the ball early on, uh, they kind of overloaded on one side, and it played out as a four-four-two. Um, so, but unfortunately they didn't, uh, they weren't attacking much. They, so just some stats, they had 31% possession, two total shots, zero on target compared to Leicester's 69% possession, 13 shots, five on target and five goals. Yeah. Um, so I have one positive about this match and I'm we're not going to go into the entire match details, but there's a couple of talking points, and I'll prompt them, and then Elijah and I will discuss. The first positive is Jose Perez didn't score. Yeah. Your thoughts. <laughs> it's the only I mean, positive I can think of, really. I, I listed out positives, and I found none when I tweeted from the main account. I mean, I didn't even think about that. Sure, yeah, I guess that's a positive. I mean, more of a positive for you because you were all – Jose's going to dominate us, but actually, if he doesn't, then I'll still be right. That yeah, whole like shtick. I said, it was it was a win-win for me. I mean, I guess. I mean, it's a win-win, except for Newcastle lost by five goals. So <laughs> it's not really a win-win for anyone except for Leicester. Yeah, well, he almost scored in the second minute, which I was like, that would have been like that. Like everyone saw that coming. Uh, he did, according to fantasy, pick up an assist that first goal. Um. He gave it to Ricardo, but like Ricardo ran half the field, so I don't think the Premier League counts that as an assist. I and it's check. exactly you predicted that, so we can count that as a positive that that Ricardo would be someone to watch out for because if he gets forward, he can be dangerous and it'll force Newcastle to either commit or they'll have to or there'll be more bodies in the box or I don't know. But yeah, what was that? His third goal in two games now. He's yeah. You, you said fire. he'd be the guy to watch out for, and he did. My boy Chowdhury came on too, but that's a that's not important. Yeah, Chowdhury, Chowdhury who I didn't realize had in a some apparently equally as bad tackle as Hayden's red card tackle, but that's yeah. a that's against us. Oh, 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 a different yeah. The previous yeah, time yeah. we played them, yeah, yeah the other time, very brutal, one. and he got a yellow for it. Yeah. Um. Okay, and then the so. The next thing I wanted to talk about is Isaac Hayden's red card. So um, the first thing, I, I guess I'll lead you up in, in the play to it. So uh, it was Longstaff and Perez fighting for the ball. And to me, to my biased eyes, there was it was a clear and obvious foul on Perez here where the play should have been stopped. He, like To me, he obviously fouled Longstaff. And then it was Hayden and crap who who was it also running after the ball who did hayden get you remember no you don't um crap i forget who it was uh but anyway hayden was going for the ball another player was there um and he got to the ball just before but he went in like he went in oh it was dennis pratt 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 um, yeah, that's who it was. It was 43rd minute. Um, Hayden, he got to the ball first, but, like, it, it it was a red. Like, that was just a dangerous play. And then he went up. Like, his studs up were pretty high. Like, I think it was a clear red. Um, like, if it would have happened to Newcastle, like, we would have been losing our minds. No, it was a red for sure. Yeah. I mean, some Anyone people were saying it say wasn't, red but, is like, yeah, it was a very well, dangerous play. They're just... 
they're 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 like they're saying it's not a red because it's not them. Like if someone did that to you while you're playing Sunday League footy, oh, you'd yeah, fight yeah. them. Like yes, it's just it's like I think people they they get so caught up in like they don't want decisions to go against their team that like they just don't put themselves in the players' shoes and recognize okay yeah this is probably I would say this is a red if this happened to me so it's probably a red. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and we'll, I mean, when you lose, when when you lose somebody as good as Hayden has been for us, like that derails everything, right? So there's not. I mean, yeah, but else. it's not like Newcastle looked good before. So no, no, it, no, we weren't. So, so um, so obviously lost a man. Lester ended up scoring four more times throughout the match. There's really only one massive talking point. Well, we could talk about Chowdhury's Chowdhury's tackle, but the one point that I want to talk about is Miguel Almiron. He still continuously does not get played in the position that he's played in. And there's been a lot of talk about that, especially today. Um, and I st- I'm still waiting on response for Alex Bruce to respond to me about um, why his dad keeps playing him out of position. But if you go and look, and actually I saw this from Roberto Rojas. He tweeted out that like about his appearances goals and assists per position and it's like i mean go look at it it's on transfer market and like you can't like you'll be like wow why isn't he playing the 10 because <laughs> yeah. he scored like a total of five goals in his career outside of the 10 and the rest of and, his goals and assists are came from the 10 position like and can, i'm gonna hop in here real quick so there yeah, was talk please. about it on saturday because there was one journalist who did tweet about it saturday after the match might have been an american who had just because it was no sorry Sunday because it was national TV and so all the Americans are watching as well and of course they've grown up watching Mickey but um but Roberto specifically why it went off today was Steve Bruce was asked specifically about it and he said that he is not an out and out center forward or a natural number 10 either he's an old-fashioned inside forward so we have to get we have to try to get the best out of him and there's been a ton of talk about this because um not only is it just incorrect, yeah, because it's just wrong. <laughs> it's just like not a good take um, because he currently plays as the number ten for Paraguay, um, as Greg says, and he played as the number ten for Atlanta United. And he's only other time he's played any other position was left wing, and he looked best at left wing under Rafa. But even then, he was given more of a free form role. And Rafa's also just a better tactician than Steve. But a lot of people are bringing up the point that like this is just reaffirming. Um, what, you know, was a fear that we had initially and that we joked about Steve Bruce's lack of tactics, but, like, this this generation of old-school English managers that refuse to see anything, like, outside of 1980s football tactics. Like, they think that their old English football tactics are, like, the only way football's being played and have yet to recognize that, like, the game and the positions, they've all changed. Like, the, what a fullback did in 1980 is different than what a fullback does now and this is just like hammering down that point even more um when you say like a guy who essentially is playing as what we have like the prototypical number 10 today um is just not a number 10 it's just like a a bad take on so many different levels and if you're going to have that take and you want to play him as an inside forward then play him as an inside forward. Like, stop playing him as a winger. And stop playing him as a winger on his weaker foot when you want him to swing in balls. Like, it's just like, you making this excuse doesn't make up from the fact that, like, you have just not gotten how to get how to use him correctly. You just haven't. And so I think that's kind of my angle I took and what's frustrating about it from my perspective. Greg, do you have, you have something else to add? Yeah, it's just um, like I. That's that's my whole reason for being mad initially at Luke Edwards. His message is saying, "Oh, I'll, I'll judge him after his first seven matches or whatever." Whatever he said, like, 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 if you thought that there was hope, like, this is a fifty-eight-year-old manager that's failed at numerous clubs. It's not like he's a twenty-eight-year-old up-and-comer. It's like, oh, well, let's see how he does. He's an up-and-comer. Like, no, this is a guy that's proven over and over again of failure consistently across all levels of English football. So, like, I don't know why people are expecting 
anything different, but this performance this weekend and him consistently playing like difference makers in wrong positions is like it's it's like so frustrating because everyone would have known that this would everyone knew that this was going to happen except for the person that appointed them and Luke Edwards apparently. Um, yeah. It's just like I'm I've I've said this numerous times like I'm done with the incestuousness of like not even just in English football like across all sports everywhere in the, in the world like managers just get fired to get rehired again like it doesn't make sense like if they're sucking and they've never won anything then guess what they're just bad so we should stop hiring them so now we get stuck with this guy that we just pulled up from a lower division while he was sucking in that division and now we get to deal with this like wasting talent like an actual talent by playing them out of position I, I would be completely fine if Almiron just handed in his transfer request, said I'm done, like put me with somebody who's competent. Yeah, I mean, I'd be shocked if he doesn't ask for a transfer request. And, I mean, obviously it hurts me as a Almiron stand since the beginning, but, I mean, it's what's best for him at this point if he just leaves. Because if the club don't have a, a different manager in mind by January, there, there's there's no reason any of these guys – should stay because the club, it, it, the team's going down. Um, so, I mean, th- there's a lot to unpack, but the, the Steve Bruce is, is is the main thing to unpack. And I, I got some slack on Twitter uh, today because I said, because people were like, well, you said to give him a chance. And if you go back and listen to the tapes, I said, let's give him a chance because I said, at a minimum, the, the groundwork has been laid for him on how to be successful with this current squad of players. Like, Rafa already had tactics. You could just go back and copy them. And I was like, if he tries to emulate something that Rafa did, he might be successful. And I just wasn't expecting a complete lack of tactics completely um, and just a lack of discipline uh, in defense and a lack of discipline discipline in the midfield and just overall just miscommunication, discombobulation. Uh, with, with the side every single week it, the the team goes out and they always look confused like you can literally go and go to every major journalist tweet um, over the past week and you just see every every single match multiple tweets from all of the top journalists from Luke Edwards nah, not Luke Edwards Luke Edwards finally kind of walked back on his take uh, but definitely Mark Douglas definitely Lee Ryder um Everyone, Keith Downey, Craig Hope, they all say the same thing. Newcastle players, during at like we're 25 minutes in the match, and Newcastle players look lost and don't know what the tactics are. Some version of that tweet, and it's like there has to be some sort of change. But the harsh reality, and of course, it was reaffirmed today with another story that came out, is that like there is not going to be any change anytime soon because the management doesn't think that there's an issue. They are go- they're willing to ride it out with with Steve Bruce and they're taking his BS excuses to to heart. They're this excuses he's making and they're they're taking what other pundits are saying seriously about him having more points right now than Rafa did last season and it's like if you look at just the numbers then yeah, you can paint your own narrative, but if you actually watch the matches, you can see how awful this is and how much Newcastle look like the worst team in the Premier League. Yeah, well, to to give us a little credit, might be the second worst. Wofford's pretty bad. I mean, Wofford's pretty bad, but we didn't look good against Wofford, so, I mean. Well, until we lose 8 to nothing, I'm still going to crown Wofford as... The bottom. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't... I, I mean, do you want to talk about anything else? That's really the two points I wanted to hit is Hayden and, and Almiron. I mean, there's nothing else really to talk about. I mean, Steve Bruce had a shocking press conference where he still seemed to not take any blame for himself. That's that's um, where I was going was quotes next. Do you want me to hit yeah, that up? Yeah, so we can hit those because that's just... <laughs> I hate when people don't take responsibility for their actions. I'm sorry. That's my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. Well, it's actually, so annoying. one more thing of note from the match is mm-hmm. that people say, oh, well, you know, we were we were a man down for, for, for what's it, 47 minutes. Um, so, like, yeah, of course we were going to lose. But, like, 
we've been a man down with Rafa before. And also that first goal, like, literally ran the entire half of the pitch and just walked into the box and scored. Like, that's that's positioning. That's tactics. That's, like, shape and formation. That's just off and not clicking. Yeah. So, I don't know. No, it's right. like when we win a man down, my first thought, and judging by Twitter, a lot of people's first thought was – Oh gosh! Now Steve Bruce has something to blame on, like why they lost this match. Like you, he can't be like, like no one can pressure him about tactics now because we've lost a man. Like if that's the state of like how people think your manager's gonna react after a five no loss, then like I mean I don't know. Like like I said, my nine year old cousin's coach could uh, could set up this team in a better manner because Steve Bruce just he just doesn't have it. Um, Steve Bruce said, we simply didn't do enough. We didn't show enough resilience or fighting spirit to put up some sort of reaction. The way we went about it was simply nowhere near what's required. It's not enough to feel sorry for yourself. They have to find a bit more and do a bit more than today. We can't hide behind that. They can't keep hiding behind myself. We're in it together. At 10 men and 3 nil down, you have to show a bit more. We're just so passive. We just accepted everything. After that red card, we needed to regroup and show more effort, endeavor, fight, spirit, and that is the hugely disappointing thing from the group I've worked with for the last eight weeks. That's not That was not good to see. If effort is a big, big part of the game and we have not done enough, the nitty-gritty is that we have not laid a glove on Lester in the second half and the white flag came out too early. He said a lot more, but I just don't care. I mean, I, I get saying the players didn't care, but I mean, as a player, it, it's hard to care when you don't have instruction from your manager. Like with Rafa, the players wanted to play for Rafa regardless, and it's like, like you said, you look at matches where we went one nil down. I mean, one man down with Rafa, which happened. Uh, I think what twice with Shelby, once with Yedlin, once uh, Aiden. Once with Hayden, like that, those we didn't lose by five goals. We lost by like one goal. Like, and and like if you look at just how the players played with Rafa, they they one had discipline. They knew what they were supposed to be doing. There was a clear. I mean, we don't need to go into it because we all know Rafa needs is a good manager. But like the players Ooh, also dis- once with Yedlin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I said I said with Yedlin. Oh, I missed it. Dang. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Um, Sorry for but. Interrupting. Um, but like with Bruce, like the players don't play with any passion or veracity, like when we were, when we were full strength and I mean, I I don't fault them. I mean, I wonder what training sessions are like, like what, what is he doing in training? Like, like, what do they do? They just, they just do drills and talk. Like it doesn't seem like they go over any tactical game plan because it doesn't look like see Bruce goes into any match with the game plan and I get it. Like being a manager is hard, but like. You signed up for this. Like, 10 other people said no for a reason. You signed up for this. So, like, you, I don't know. I don't know why people, like, I don't know why you expect people to feel sorry for you. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll move to stats now. Uh, this was Newcastle's heaviest Premier League defeat since a 6-1 to loss to Manchester City in October of 2015. And that was... Leicester's greatest win since a six to one. Oh, the greatest win over Newcastle United uh, since 1930. They beat Newcastle six to one. Um, because <laughs> because of brands, I have to stay on brand. Mm-hmm. I will, and I always shall. Um, the brand is that. Isaac Perez has played 579 minutes this season and uh, zero goals, which is less than Utah. All right. Um, 538 predicts how things are going to go at the end of the season. And, you know, for the most part, or actually for this entire season so far, they've projected us that, that we're actually going to be okay and we're going we're gonna to make it out we're going to continue to stay in the Premier League. And after our loss, it's the first time they have us in the bottom three projections at the end of the season. They 
They said at the beginning of the year that we would finish with 42 points. Now they've dropped it to 38, uh, which would actually put us in 18th place and relegated. They have Watford in 19th and Villa in 20th. Um, they also have us level on points with Brighton and Norwich, but having a worse goal difference and therefore being relegated. Any surprises? No, I mean, no. nothing's going to change unless you fire Steve Bruce as soon as you can. I mean... Yeah, and but... actually, one thing on that. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you like crazy today. No, that's fine. Um, Bruce out, yes, it's fine, but it's nothing's going to change. Like We're going to get a new manager. It's going to look up like the 10 losingest managers in Premier League history that are still active, and that's the short list. We'll hire one of those, and the same thing will happen. Bruce out, you putting your energy in Bruce out is is not going to get you any changes with Newcastle. Just get a different manager. The, we've said this a lot on this podcast. There's only one one way this can change, and that's for Ashley out. That's the only way this is going to change. Because well, yeah, cool, not according we'll to his last bid. What's that? They they see Bruce as a European quality uh, coach. So hopefully oh. it's not Kenyon taking over. Yeah, the the last bid of the brochure where they're asking people <laughs> yeah. to invest money. Yes, they they say we see Steve Bruce as a European quality coach. Imagine, which I just if, hope that's what they were saying to investors, just because they're like, we're gonna. They don't. You don't want to say like, hey, first thing we're gonna do when we take over this company is fire the guy running it. Like you don't want to say that, but I just think it's comical that was language used. Imagine yeah. if they ever took over and they like have like 40 different investors that are owners in Newcastle and they're like, Oh, we want to sign this player. And they make up like a 20 page brochure on the player. They please donate this much money to yeah. get this player in black and white. <laughs> they're actually, they're working with Alex on the trust. They're just going to, they've been sending these brochures to the trust. <laughs> oh, Shout man. out to Alex though, with true faith in the trust. They're doing a good work over there, but yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it technically, none of it's going to change, but I mean, like, I I would still rather Bruce get fired and a different manager brought in because I at least would like to see tactics. Yeah. So that would be, I mean, th- that's that's all I'm asking for. That's it. It's just, just <laughs> tactics. That that's it's literally the bare minimum you can ask for from a manager, and I've just yet to see it from Bruce, and so yeah. that's why I'm like, you can give me literally, give me freaking Greg Berhalter and him trying to force a system on players that doesn't fit. I'll take that over Steve Bruce because at least he has a system. So, like, I don't know. Gosh. All right. Well, this game doesn't deserve a best worst. The best is the fans. The worst is Newcastle United. Um. And... Yeah. Shout out to the fans. Do you want to just go straight into questions? Yeah, we actually... Did you see that, that someone quote tweeted and had a questions for us? Go do it. You, you start then. Um, it's kind of... We kind of hit on it earlier, but we can we can talk about it um, and go in a little bit more detail. Um, this is from Eric at Stumanji. He says, uh, did Shola pick bad spots for these players? It's highly possible considering... His complete inexperience in the role, perhaps, are just not good enough and don't deserve the playing time. Um, so basically, he's saying, is it Shola's bad selection for these players, um, in your opinion, or are they just not good enough? Um. So I actually, and I, you'll see when when I get that article out um, in a day or two. The players aren't good enough. Yeah, that's just that's just it. Um, our youth system is just, it's bad. It's really bad. Um, there's not a lot of talent. Like we thought Sorensen was the real deal. And it turns out like we were just way wrong. It seems like, I don't know. He must've just been in a really lucky spot last year, but I mean, he's barely, he's barely playing that like a bottom barrel league two side. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, you have all these all these players that we thought were promising, and they're not even getting in. And some of the lowest, like, like worst professional, like league club in England, uh, then that's that's on our players, not on not as much on Shola. I mean, what if we could send them to the third tier in Germany, <laughs> like, but that's not going to do anything. Yeah, 
I, th- I think you hit it right on the head. I remember when we were announcing all these loan signings, you were kind of shocked and surprised that players were going to uh, like leagues, you know, League Two or League One. I mean, there were. I think Woodman going to Championship was one of the only ones you were like, "That's actually a, a good move for him." Um, he'll be able to get some quality time, especially at Swansea. But I mean, I remember you were upset that Sorensen was going to a League Two team. And in like looking back on it, Shola low key did his job right. I mean, Newcastle. The complaint was that they were at clubs where they weren't playing, so he basically was like, "All right, we'll send them to places where I think they should play because it's like this is this is like the bottom level of like youth prospect like loan loan out area. Like if you can't make it here, you're probably never going to make it in the Premier League." And to your point, no one's really made it at any of their destinations except for Freddie Woodman, who Freddie Woodman's probably the only player that has actually improved his stock as a prospect over the past year because I think people were pretty much totally out on Freddie Woodman um, last season just because um, he got some appearances in cup matches and didn't look great. Uh, but now he's kind of put himself back into the... Um, the next young thing at Newcastle. So, yeah, I mean, the players are just not great, man. It's just, ugh. Definitely not. <laughs> uh, next question is from Will at Batman's Milkman. Mm. Will Watson. He said, if Bruce is sacked, who realistically could you see taking the hot seat? Tony Pulis. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It's like someone who's really bad. Neil Redfern. Oh, no. It can get worse. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that answer proves that it actually can get worse. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why Ashley would go out and spend more money. Because, I mean, if you fire Bruce, you have to pay his contract, which is the lowest in the Premier League. Which, that's telling already. Like, I feel like we glossed over that detail, and, like, we joked about it, and I wrote about it, and, like, still just, like, I feel like it just has not been talked about. <laughs> Literally the lowest paid manager in the Premier League. Like, lower than p- managers who didn't get a raise from the championship, like Sheffield's manager or, like, Norwich's manager. Like, they're making the same amount of money. Maybe they got a little bit of a bonus, but they're making the same amount of money. We have paid Bruce lower than those guys who were offered championship-level wages. So, I mean, I just... I just knocked my phone down by accident. <laughs> but, like... That right there, just that paints a very bleak picture. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, realistically, yeah, Tony Pulis. I mean, geez, I forgot homeboy who used to manage Brighton. Uh, Chris Uton. Yeah, Chris Uton. Maybe. I mean, like, there's you'd have to beg. Um, the the I thing mean, is, I, like, I don't think Chris would take it. Like, that's the thing is. I think somewhat like managers that actually have a future ahead of them won't take this position. And yeah. No one blames them. And I, I think the, the most realistic person is Tony Pulis because one, like he's unemployed, right? I don't think mm-hmm. anywhere. I think so. He's unemployed and he has extremely defensive tactics. So it's like maybe in some sick twisted way, like we, it, it kind of works <laughs> because like we won't have any intention of going forward in any match and we'll just bunker and like, lose one nothing or zero zero draws and one one draws and like do that but that's it i mean that's that's the hope that i see yeah i mean and let uh, me tell you now and if if it does happen if we do get relegated we're not coming back up it's not happening yeah it'll it'll be tough um tony pulis uh right now linked to stoke because they're about to sack their manager um stoke is but i mean you could look at you you could look at the people they all also search for and see like the the list, and it's just like, yeah, these are all guys who you could see managing uh, Newcastle: Sam Allardyce, Mark Hughes, uh, Gary Monk, Alan Pardew. You could sure, yeah, <laughs> wild. Um, yeah, I mean it. Yeah, this was this was. There's a lot. John Carver's on this list as well. Um, I, I don't know. I, the, I don't want to talk about I mean, if you're giving me the ideal world 
of like if I could pick any manager, like if say a new owner comes in and like I could pick a manager to um, to take over Newcastle. I'd like to see Jesse Marsh. I like his system. It's fun. I think it it plays to the advantage of the hardworking, gritty style of Newcastle players we have. It takes advantage of the speed that we have with um, St. Maxman and Almiron. That'd be fun to watch, but it's not going to happen because, you know, it's life. Yeah, definitely would never happen. Um, Okay, last question from the official questionnaire of CHN Radio at Trevor Mooney 12. Early 2000s version of Donald Trump gets bored and starts the Jordy Apprentice. Which three players get fired first after their start to the season? Oh, after their start to the season? Yeah. Uh, I think Muto does because he still doesn't seem to know English. Well, wait, so he's think... like our second scorer. No, it doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> this is Donald Trump. You have to remember oh, there's no logic oh, oh, here. Oh, yes, yes, So, yes. yeah, I'm just – I'm not even taking into consideration performance. Um Probably Fabian Scher would get fired because Donald Trump doesn't want anyone there who's like gonna look better than him or is like you know more intimidating than him. Um, and then probably Jose Perez because he'll just assume that Jose is still a part of the team and be like, "You're fired." Oh, okay. Yeah, so. I'm gonna go with Isaac Hayden because he didn't finish a shift. Mm. Um. I'm gonna Trump say, finished his shift. Oh, that was a little political joke there. I'm going to say... I don't know. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> um, Dubrovka, because he is... Great radio. Yes, is, I don't know. This what sucks. if we brought in Tina Pardue, Alan Pardue's wife, to manage the team? Yo, let's get Jill Ellis on board. Honestly, I mean, to be fair, Jill Ellis, and this is uh, not so hot. T- well, it's a hot take, hot-ish take. Not actually that great tactically. Just no, had the benefit just of pucks the ball having, forward. Yeah, just benefit of having really good players. Like pretty much like um, Frank Lampard. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going after Lampard hard. I mean. Chelsea doesn't and that what sucks is that like I think that's the most frustrating thing about this is that this is a season in which Leicester are in third place yes they are playing well and they have and their managers tactics are great but like literally like half of the top six it just looks like absolute hot garbage and it's like if we had an actual manager we could literally set ourselves up to finish mid-table possibly even top 10 uh, just because like of how bad a lot of these teams have started. And what's the sad part is there's going to be other teams that are going to be more aware that like their situation is not ideal, and they're going to fire their manager before we even consider firing our manager. And if we do fire Bruce, it's going to be like in the middle of January, right after Silva's already been fired, right after um, um, Emery could possibly get fired. I don't know if they'll fire Lampard or whatever. I don't know. I mean... It's just, there's guys that are definitely going to be on the hot seat. I'm sure one of the other relegation fighting teams is going to fire their coach. I mean, it's it's so annoying sometimes being a Newcastle fan. And it's like, just the incompetence by this organization. It's just like something I literally have never seen from any sport franchise. And like, I've watched Michael Jordan manage like the Charlotte Hornets and... I've watched the Phoenix Sun exist, and I've watched the Chicago Bulls, and the Redskins, and the Dolphins, and all these terrible American franchises exist, and, like, none of them are as bad as Mike Ashley running Newcastle United. Like, just not even close. And on that note, we will close out this episode. Um, That's how I want to end it. That's the perfect way to end it. You good? Anything else you wanted to say? All right, then let's do it. That concludes episode 86 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. That is the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. And this is the beautiful sound of coming home Newcastle on the way to last.
River Dock at St. James's Park at the Gallagher's end of the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Geordie And to live in Geordie land Some people think we're bawdy And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I've walked the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hey, how are I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark at St James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away Kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing hey how we I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dog in St. James's Park at the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming